0: Our mission statement actually calls them the most influential uh, clarinetists. So that, you know, I don't know about great or prestigious or whatever, but we felt they were people who had some historical significance already.
1: It is May 24th. 2021, and you are listening to episode 33 of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Candid Clarinetist. I am Sam Rothstein, acting principal clarinet with the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and host of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. It's been a minute since we've had a new episode up, but now that the orchestra is back playing and I'm all moved into my new place, I'm looking forward to having some more fantastic guests on soon, starting with today. And I'm so happy to be joined by Andy Simon, who is the principal clarinetist of the Hong Kong Philharmonic. Uh, So actually, in his case, it's May 25th, I believe. Is that correct?
0: um yeah you're very you're better than i am with the time so yes, <laughs> yes. Right. so so
1: my date for the intro was a little incorrect and from your point of view but that's okay um so uh, this past summer andy started a, a youtube facebook series facebook live series this past summer um and i wanted to invite him on the show to have him talk a little bit about it and uh, i just wanted to welcome you to the podcast andy
0: Great. Thank you so much for inviting me. And and it's wonderful to be here. And also, I've enjoyed uh, some of your episodes. So, um, you know, thanks for for bringing that side to to things to the clarinet community and the music community.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've had the privilege to go on a few podcasts since I started podcasting. And, and I guess first question is, what's it like to be on the other side of the interview? <laughs> Well, well,
0: it's funny you say that because I, I mean I, I've been at it uh, a long time. I mean, in music sure. for a long time. So I guess I've been doing inter. I've I've been doing interviews as an interviewee. I guess um, for forty years or something. So yeah. it's quite it's quite the opposite. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I didn't actually realize that doing interviews is actually very stressful and um, and and it, you know it's like a real job. You know i I always thought it was very it was up to me to come up with great answers and whatever if i'm being interviewed but actually um it's it's not easy uh manipulating conversations and and keeping it interesting
1: yeah and i think one of the things that i've found with it too is like you kind of have to know the answers a little bit so that you can you know you can grasp whatever the person you're interviewing is saying and kind of like build on it from there because if they start talking and you don't really know what they're talking about, you get backtracked really easily. So I, it's, it's, it's definitely been something that I've I've had to read about and had to learn about. And you can tell by my episodes that I sort of gotten more and more comfortable with it. I don't know how you felt going through your, you know, you, you said you've been doing this for a long time. But yeah, for me, it was just like, it's a big learning process in terms yeah, of like-, no, like Sorry, like,
0: so, so to clarify, I've yeah. interviewed- um, for oh, a long sure, time, sure. you know, yeah. for example, um, I'm doing the already show up in next week. So I'm doing an interview with the the orchestra, you know, tomorrow or something about it. Um, so, but, but yeah, so actually being on the other side was being an interviewer <laughs> and, uh, and I gotcha, that was gotcha. a, a very tricky, uh, uh, process as, as I'm sure we'll discuss today.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what inspired you to sort of make that series, and we were talking a little bit about this before we came on the air, but, um, you know, I, I guess from my point of view, there was kind of a, a big hole in terms of we're familiar with all these people. I mean, you you got you know the best of the best, the greatest clarinetists in the world to come on your show, and we're familiar with them from their playing, you know, how they play the clarinet, at least from my point of view. But personally, I felt like that was missing. And as that was what kind of, you know, drove you to create this project was was like you wanted to create this sort of personal connection beyond what the instrument is. Well,
0: I'll tell you, Sam, this is a very interesting question. I would say no. Okay, I would say. That's I got a lot of responses, a lot of reactions. I mean, we were getting seven thousand viewers and, and some per interview mm-hmm. sometimes. But um so a lot of people said that. They said, wow, we you know, we have Sabina Meyer's record cover, but now we're seeing our home and, and this is so special and we're hearing Eddie Daniels dog bark and you know mm-hmm. whatnot. Um it was actually quite the opposite. None of this was thought out, and that's what made it kind of uh Both, I think, exciting and extremely uh, stressful. So the way it started is basically um, I started watching interviews online, uh, the principal horn player of the Chicago Symphony, David Cooper, um, was a guest with our orchestra several times. He played with us, and I know him pretty well. And he started an interview series during the pandemic. It, for example, he interviewed the principal trumpet, who was our principal trumpet. Right. Um, interviewed uh, He interviewed... Um, uh, uh, Stephen Williamson, he interviewed John Yeh, all people I know, and I watched them. And Lorenzo, at that time, we we never totally locked down in Hong Kong. It's it, it just kind of different the way we were doing things from some of the other countries. So Lorenzo would once a week, twice a week, he'd be in the neighborhood and he'd pop in and we would do various projects, often recording a little tidbit for the orchestra and whatnot. And while I was here, I said, you know, I saw David Cooper's interview with uh, Stephen Williamson or John Ye, I can't remember which. Esteban, that it was really interesting. And he says, Andy, you're a complete clarinet jock. You know these people. All you ever do is talk about it. You bore us all to tears. You would be great at this. Yet you love to talk, you love to BS. And I said, come on, I, you know. And he says, look, I, I can't even co- turn on my computer. He loves techie stuff. He says, I make a deal with you. Three things. One, if you do this, I'll do the techie things. I'll do the posters, I'll do everything. Number two. It's under the condition that you uh, interview Andrew Mariner, who was his principal in the London Symphony, and he knows I know him very, very well. Mm -hmm. And I had just seen Andrew over the summer, a week after he retired, and he showed me this great book that the orchestra gave him, you know, fantastic. I mean, greatest conductors writing letters to him and stuff, and and the orchestra presented him with an autographed. Um, copy of 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 the not copy original of the Ford songs. I said, wow, this is really exciting. And he said, and the third thing was, and you can't talk too much. You gotta let me get a word in edgewise. So I said, look, I can promise Andrew Mariner, I I can certainly promise you can do the techie. I you know, I can only try promise to do my best on the third one. Yeah. yeah. And that was the three days notice. And we invited Andrew and it was literally history from that moment on. We kicked them out every single week, and there was yeah. no plan. It was incredibly stressful in a way, because you you do it, you do the interview. There were always problems, techie problems on both sides. We were learning all the time. Uh, Andrews started late. Uh, Charlie Nidick, the second one, I think started 37 minutes late. I mean, it got, and we were getting pressure. I mean, people were texting me, look, I set my alarm clock at six in the morning to watch this. Is this happening or did I get it wrong? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, And so we we learned a lot about the the techie, but actually there was no time to breathe. We would literally um, do an interview and then the next day we we say, well, who's next? You know, we got six right. and we discuss it. We'd invite the person. We'd make a poster. You know, we do the interview. And it was like this every week. So so I think the more intelligent way to have done it is, is sit down and for a month and plan all the guests and the schedule and what we're going to do. But it wasn't like that. And. The irony of it is, I mean, we had so many. It was, it's way less sophisticated than your program. It was all live. We had with David Schiffer, I mean, my microphone kept on going off. I mean, the poor <laughs> guy sat there very patiently, and we're trying to figure things out. I mean, but I think that was part of the fun too. People kind of sure. felt they were part of a real conversation. Um, so actually, um, I agree with you. That that was. One of the things people said they loved about the show, Mm -hmm. um, but no, it it wasn't like that at all. And I have to say, we were just talking about the the differences of um, or or the challenges of interviewing. I'm very lucky because I actually tied in my 40 year career, knowing most of these people at at some level, I would say maybe 70 percent I knew very well. Okay. So I knew all the stories, I knew where to go. And I I would say all but one I had at least met and almost everyone I had at least had a meal with. So even in selecting the guests, mind you, not everyone, um, not everyone was able to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, even in selecting the guests, the first and foremost thing was the chemistry. Okay. That, 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 that we thought I would have. And, and, I pretty much uh, knew a lot of the people um and and then Lorenzo's much younger than I am he's european so everyone was writing in well, how about this guy or that gal or whatever um but we have real litmus tests like do people in australia know this person do would it generate excitement in italy would it exc- generate excitement in in asia um in the states and you know I Our mission statement actually calls them the most influential or influential, I should say, influential uh, clarinetists. So that, you know, I don't know about great or prestigious or whatever, but we felt they were people who had some historical significance already. And all of the guests, I think, were over 50, with the exception of maybe three. Um, And those, you couldn't ignore them. In other words, mm-hmm. one, for example, was Anthony McGill. Yeah, right, That was the first one that came rides. to mind
1: for me. Yeah,
0: exactly. You yeah. couldn't. Just, I mean, he was obviously in, in, in that further people like Nicola Balderu. Um, he you know, he seems to be pushing the envelope, especially during covid on performances and clarinetists. I mean, he was seriously influencing what was going on. And thirdly. Um, the only person I had never met um, was Not Cohen. And I thought, wait a minute, um, if you're Downbeat Magazine clarinetist of the year for eight years, and you're <laughs> under 50, you 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 can come on the show. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah, that, that was basically how it came. We, we were just playing by ear. It started just by being a good laugh with my old friends. And by the time we started getting to Michelle Zukowski and Stanley Drucker, and they were talking about premiering Shostakovich symphonies, and they were talking about talking to people who played with Mahler, and they yeah. were talking, they were taking out poems from Bernstein or, or working with Stravinsky or, or studying the, the Copeland with Benny Goodman and playing. When they started talking like that, Lorenzo turns to me and he says, we're actually doing something of historical value now it wasn't yeah. no longer just a show you know and that's yeah. how we started to treat it
1: i remember when you first started like you had i mean all of your guests are amazing and you got like you know i want to say probably like 10 or so in and i'm like there's no he ran out of people there's no and then like next week it would be like this am- amazing like oh my god it's you know this person <laughs> like you just kept like rolling them out all these like just you know, Mount Rushmore after Mount Rushmore of clarinetists. And I thought it was so cool. And, and every week I doubted that you guys would find someone else better and every week you did. So it was, it was really cool to watch. And I love the the little thumbnails that you guys made or the posters or whatever. Um, I thought that was cool. Was that Lorenzo's sort of doing uh,
0: That was totally him. And it was really funny cause I, I, as you know, he's actually, you know, one of the world's great, uh, bass yeah. clarinetists and, and, and we have, um, we're complete opposites in a way because, you know, I almost I almost had sibling rivalry with my guests. I'm like, you know, I've been doing this for 40, 40 years. And, you know, now, I you know, I'm, I'm an interviewer. You know, and he loved it. You know, he, I, you get on these Facebook pages, and people would say, "Well, say hello to Lorenzo," as if he's a sidekick. You know, right. and and I thought he'd be. And he was doing interviews as a as a well-known clarinetist, say in in Italy, and people would say, "Hey, we saw you on Andy's liquor Talk as the ticket guy." And I thought, "Oh no, I'm going to get an earful." He goes, "This is great to be known for something besides bass clarinet." He loved loved it all, and every time, a, a handful of times. We wanted to change the series, which never quite worked, the direction. Um, and and the, like you said, we, we felt maybe we are running out. You know, we, we can go into different directions with different musicians. Um, and he said, firstly, oh, my God, I've got to change the format of the poster. And we've got to do this. And a handful of times we had several guests. And you can see the posters yeah. completely um, different. Then... Because it, we learned a lesson on the techie. So we started having techie dress rehearsals and then he'd take photoshops, and people ate it up. You know, yeah. all of a sudden they're seeing someone they haven't seen for 15 years on there. And, you know, Stanley Drucker. Right? You know, he he was this massive um, he got this massive publicity when he was leaving you know, um, right. all the records he set. And all of a sudden there he is at home, you know, in his 90s and his wife and and you're posting all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it was very much Lorenzo. I just also want to add, because of what you said, um, we also several times went a little off the beaten track. And I thought it was really good. Sometimes they weren't well-received. Sometimes they were exceptionally well-received. Um, one example would be... Um, Lawrence Gilliard, Jr., who's the um, actor, who was right. a classmate of mine at Juilliard. Um, and it's so funny how some people really connected, like John Yeh, for example, who was at every single episode yeah, in real time, amazing. every single one. And he, like his daughter is a Juilliard grad, as a percussionist. Who, and um, they've actually both come over and played played in our orchestra and, and right in the spring together. But, um, you know, he totally related his his. Daughter went to Juilliard as a percussion, and now she's doing really well as a a, a food show, you know, hostess oh, and stuff.
1: Um, I have such so a funny story deeper. about that, actually. So I I, I hate to interrupt, but like, no, no, please, please. So we were watching. You know, my wife likes the likes the Food Network and stuff. When we were watching, and this this woman shows up and she has her own show or whatever, and she's like, oh, I'm molly yay or whatever, and I'm like, is that? There's no way, and. And my wife was like, oh, I just love her. And th- and I was like, I think that's John's daughter. And then sure enough, he shows up at the end of the episode. He's like cooking with her and stuff. It was the funniest thing. She's like, no oh, wait. Like, like, yeah, it's so well, funny.
0: I, you know, I have my own my, my own story with Lawrence Gilliard because I'm really kind of out of it. I don't know anything about pop culture. Yeah. So um you know, I saw him show up on some I, I, I heard something he was going to pursue acting or something like this. And I show, saw him show up on a clarinet day and he was talking about, uh, well, feel the emotions, you know, when you play. And, and I said, oh, my goodness, what what's happened with this guy? I have no idea. The poor guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then someone said to me, well, you need to check out The Wire. It's, you know, considered top 10 TV shows of all time. So I put in the first episode and he's the first place you see. It. And I said, no. Okay. So I go to Google him and it, all of a sudden, little known fact about Lawrence Gilliard Jr. He used to play the clarinet at Juilliard, you know, and then right. you see him on The Walking Dead and this and this and that. So it was, you know, it was almost a similar story, but well, we had him. We also had, um, John Corleano, which I thought was a big coup, um, with Drucker. I mean, imagine that, Drucker in his 90s and John in his 80s, and John Yeh, who had him write a part in his Corleano First Symphony as a composer in residence in Chicago. So I thought that was really tremendous. I also saw some interviews that I just loved, uh, that, that inspired me. One was a classmate of mine, Michael Sachs, the principal trumpet of Cleveland, um, our, who was also in that interview was Mark Gould, his teacher, Juilliard, and someone mm-hmm. I knew from Juilliard, and of course our principal trumpeter from um, Chicago, and just has nothing to do with anything. I, I'm friendly with a you know, world-class uh, women's tennis player who, who won Wimbledon doubles, you know, in 2010, mm-hmm. and I would, and Mike was always talking about sports psychology and how it applies to music, so. I had actually done a L'histoire du Soldat with all three of the trumpeters, so I thought, um, I don't care. I, I'm grasping at straws. I just want to interview these people, all yeah. of them. Okay, so that's how I came up. We called it Performance Under Pressure. It was three hours and ten minutes. It was one of the best received interviews. Um, it was, you know, so so much fun. It was it was really funny and you know bantering back and forth and reminiscing and and having these. Generations of fantastic trumpeters— one in their thirties, one in their fifties, one in his seventies—and and of course this tennis player who's about to retire at thirty-one, talking about being over the hill all at once—you know, right. it, it was great. We we also had Osmo Vanska, who's you know really an A-list conductor, but really fancies himself a clarinet player. He he held two principal jobs in Finland for over a decade. You know, he's commissioning works for clarinet. He's studied with Leiser. He's like the father of the Finnish. Uh, clarinet school he loved the idea of doing this interview and how it relates in auditions and how they help each other the the clarinet he just loved it and a lot of people ate that up like Lorenzo who who um is actually doing conducting in his own right and 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 that kind of relationship um you know we also had um the memorial, which I thought was very touching, at uh, the beginning of David uh, Schifrin's, it was really uncomfortable. We, um, In one week, we lost G- Jim Benny, the bass clarinetist in the Met, and the princip- former principal of the Met, Joseph Rabai, within a day. Mm-hmm. And we actually started feeling responsibility because people were writing into us. They say, look, you know, thousands of people were watching your show every week. You've got to do something. And and um, it, it was really, you know, so I called the people who were closest to him, people like Steve Williamson who drove to the funeral. They didn't want to. They were literally grieving. I mean, they really were close to this man. And um, you wouldn't get. And we said, look, you know, we've got two or three days you got to send in a video and we're going to do a half hour tribute to both of them. And, um, you know, we were chasing them up. I felt so bad. I mean, they, they were like, they were busy. They were, they were, uh, grieving, but they all thanked me at the end, um, for doing it. And it was so gratifying because, um, it was Jim's birthday just of, I don't know, about a month ago or so. And his sister gets on YouTube and right. She goes, I didn't know about this. You know, I, 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 I'm so touched by it and, and thank you so much. And then um, I just saw recently Joe Rabai's daughter got on and she goes, I didn't know about this, but but thank you so much for doing this. So we sent it to the musicians of the Met Facebook page and they have 40, 50,000 followers and they thanked me and they put it on. And, you know, there wasn't a dry eye um, in the house, you know. So, so we like going off the beaten track um, from time to time just to keep the, the uh, you know, the, the chemistry going.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great, and I and I loved. I mean, I loved all the episodes, but I I actually especially like the ones that were a little different. Like I loved Lawrence Gilliards, and and uh, those those ones were nice. I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, so when you started doing this, was it just like uh, Lorenzo was like, okay, I know how to do Facebook Live, or was it a a a chosen component that you were gonna have like audio and visual? Because I I really do think a visual component is. I don't know. I just, I think it adds a lot of value.
0: Okay. Well, th- that's a great, really great, um, point. Now, if you examine the music world, okay. So when, when I was in, I'm in my fifties. So when, when I was in my thirties, you know, I made my first, uh, recital CD and in my forties, I made one and in my fifties, I would, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that was the way, but now, especially during the pandemic, we were asked to do videos and stuff. And I realize now, really, I, I mean, the world, people have changed. No one wants to listen to two hours, unfortunately, or unfortunately, sit down in one thing. No one has CDs. I mean, do they go on Spotify? I go on YouTube, you know. Right. And what you notice on Facebook um, is, it, well, you, you see people posting all the time. Are you even going to respond if I don't post a picture? And we were flooded when COVID hit, I'd say in, in March. I mean, we already started getting in January, but when the world sort of just got hit over the head all at once in mid-March, all of a sudden people were just flooded with videos and you just go down just and you just click for one minute very quick if, if you felt like it. The idea of putting on audio, um, I, I think it, it, it's just almost a thing of the past. Um, I personally like seeing videos, especially live performances, if I can, because, you know, they, they zero in on the clarinet solo or the flute solo where you're doing. You're not listening for the clarinet solo in the opera carefully over the singers in the in the CD. You can you, you know, you take everything exactly to your timing where you want. You can you can see you see everything. I, I really like that. Um, so we also started learning a lot. Lorenzo was monitoring. what's popular and what isn't popular. So I'll give an example. It it, it was almost disheartening, okay? You know, you you do something very profound. You get John Corleano on there or something like that. The interest might not have been as high as Michelle Zukowski's husband walking in accidentally, you know, in the room and she's scolding him and they're going back and forth. And all of a sudden the numbers just went through the roof. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, come on, you know, we're she she she's talking about, you know, uh, John Williams writing her a piece. Beria wrote her the. She's, she's you know, I, I tease her, this the longest principal clarinet career in history of anyone not named Stanley. She loves right. that one. Yeah. You know, Drucker, of course, number one. Her, I mean, we were going through some serious history. This is a 78 year old legend talking about her father's teacher. I mean, that's what I love about this show. I always wanted to capture the history. Okay. Lorenzo was more, more the show, you know, isn't this, Mm -hmm. and, and this is how, this was a great chemistry. I was always trying to get, wow, we can go back a hundred years and hear about, um, you know, Simeon Bellison, who apparently gave the Russian premiere of the WC Rhapsody with Debussy conducting. And, and she's met this guy and, and, you know, I mean, this is what I wanted to capture, you know, and, um, and then her husband, you know makes a wise crack, like um, tell him what it was like working with Brahms. And she goes, "Oh, I didn't work with Brahms. Don't make them think that I'm that old, you know <laughs> And then numbers went through the roof. So yeah. the way we thought of it is all this videos going on on Facebook, and something's happening. And as soon as something happens, because you have all these choices, you just click on it to see what's going on. Yeah. So that added a lot. Um, the live element of the show with all its warts, and trust me, there were, I mean, you know, techie problems, there were sound problems, video problems, um, with all sorts, it, it created a sense of community and you could see all you could see, oh, um, hey man, how are you doing? I haven't seen you since Eastman 40 years ago. they literally start catching mm-hmm. up on the on the on the side. And and I think that I don't know if it would have been the same if it was just a live audio thing. So, um, so so, I have to agree with you. And, and further, um, we saw things that we never – that people commented just what you're saying behind the scenes. I mean, Wenzel Fuchs takes us into his garden. He goes, look at what I've been doing, and, and this is where he lives, and it's going, and Alessandro Carbonari is taking us around the house. He goes, well, that's my cat, and and, and I'm a woodworker. Look at this woodworking, you know? And Steve Williamson, bless him, gave us, a, I think, a 13-minute read lesson. I mean, he did an entire procedure, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so where would we have been without video, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I think, too, like, when I, so I started off just audio only. And then I started recording them and live streaming them. I I don't live stream them anymore, but, um, as soon as I started posting them and posting clips of them on Instagram immediately, uh, my numbers like doubled. And especially when I posted the full interviews on YouTube, like people sit there and watch the whole thing. Um, and so that's been a really cool thing. So for anybody looking to do this sort of thing, I think, uh, you know, learn about it, uh, re- do your research and, and, and know that that people do like a visual element to it i think it does add something to to the whole thing and you can sort of judge the energy of a conversation too sort of by the it's hard to capture it's sort of like uh capturing the tone of an email it's it's the same thing with audio and then you add the visual it's it's hard to decipher what's exactly going on unless you're seeing what's happening so um yeah very cool uh so among like all the great guests that you've obviously named out was there was there one interview in particular that that sort of stood out to you as like, you know, your most engaging or informative or the one that you were just like, wow, that was, that was something, you know, we just gave something.
0: Yes. You know, and I, I, obviously I have to say this, but it doesn't matter. I've never been known for my, my diplomacy, (laughs) Lorenzo is, but, um, I mean, really every single interview was a gem. I really believe that. Okay. I would have stopped, like you said, after 10, what, why? You know, yeah. everyone was a gem. And I want I, I want to mention a couple, but I'm going to culminate with, with basically what, what I what I said before. I mean, so the value of some of them. for example, not only was Michelle's um, historical, but it, but it's good behind the scenes for people to understand some of this. Um, M- Sabina Meyer doesn't do English interviews. I find one online. I couldn't find any interview that lasts more than two minutes or something. She hates internet interviews, okay? Even she was gonna play with our orchestra. I mean, this is someone engaging her. please, will you do an internet interview to promote it? No, I, I really don't like it. Okay, fine. I um I approached her manager who, ha- who was a clarinetist and a fan of the show. I'll ask her, Great idea. N- no, okay. The orchestra had asked her for you know for separately no. Um, and then, I mean, this was also what was great. It's just this sort of basement thing, and now it became a legitimate program. Verlitzer contacts me and says, "Do you mind if we create a news page in English on our website and start posting some of your interviews with our artists, starting with Michelle?" No, I don't mind. Go ahead. By the way, do you think you can ask Sabina Meyer? Yeah, but you know she doesn't yeah. do this, right? For, for and. and Forgive me, I don't know if I'm using the right words, but of all the guests, she's the one that struck me as, a, I, I'm gonna use the word, a thorough career. I mean, this is someone who was in the spotlight for over 40 years and never sort, some people were more in fashion and then dwindled and, and others had their. She just seems to always have been there the whole time. Yeah. No interviews, okay? In her 60s. Um, so, fine. A couple of weeks go by, three weeks go by maybe, and I get an e- I get an email from her husband. And he says, look, she doesn't like doing these. We saw your interview with Michelle, okay? We realized this is something different. This is fun, okay? We'd love to do it, okay? So, so what I'm trying to say is it all— you, you, a lot of this was was a was a building process that led to something. Led just as you say, when's he going to run out? And all right. of a sudden, you know. Um, and uh, I, I actually I actually put put the, put down um, some notes. You're going to have to forgive me um, <laughs> see what happens when you're prepared. Yeah, I know. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I'll teach
1: you to practice.
0: Oh, oh yeah. The memorial I thought was so important. Yeah. Looking back. I mean, take, take, take the feedback from their family members. No one did this. And I mean, I, I was moved to tears when I saw the response. Um, but when I can, we agree, can we agree that if you're in your 70s and you've been the only person to win the Munich competition first prize for over half a century and you've been the Cleveland Oysters principal clarinet for 40 years or more, okay. You're a legend on this sort of scale of what we're doing, like Frank Cohen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and can we agree that if you're 78 and you've been principal of LA Phil for 54 years and the first woman in history to be the principal of a major orchestra, and y- you know, you you had Berio write You works and John Williams, and you as I said, you know, performed the Copeland, you started with Copeland, you're a legend, okay? And then I announced Stanley Drucker. Now, first of all, Frank Cohen mentions in his own history his first clarinet or one of his first clarinet memories as a kid going to hear Drucker do a solo and getting an autograph from him. Okay, this this is Frank Cohen. Yeah, right, right. 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 Mm-hmm. Then, then, when I posted it, Michelle Zukowski puts my hero and idol. You know, I mean, these are people in their seventies. You know, who have you know a lot of people, and I, so I already knew this was going to be something special. And when we started interviewing him, I, said, I thought to myself, who in this planet, I mean, I, I really wonder, is over 90, let's just start with that, okay, over 90, is as sharp as this man? I mean, the guy's brain power is so intimidating and is as successful in any field as he's been in the clarinet. I don't think, I bet there aren't 10 people. OK. Right. And I, I thought to myself, wow. And then when he started talking, he whips out Bernstein's poem that he gave to him during the freedom and reads it to us, you know, and, and he's talking about, you know, premiering the Cariliano and he's talking about he's I mean, I, I looked at the dates. I said, hang on a minute. You weren't that much after Mahler. And he goes, oh, yeah. You know, I talked to the guys that work with Mahler. Yeah. Uh, imagine when you're in the cafeteria, you know, on break, you're talking to guys and, and talking about the last music director. He says, so what was it like with Mahler, he, he'd watch Toscanini, you know, um, it goes on and on. He premiered Shostakovich 10 as an E-flat player. He premiered Shostakovich's violin as an E-flat player. He, he toured war-torn Germany, OK, in the 50s. I mean, you know, talking about, you know, boats touring is both, and I thought to myself this is this is like very very important what's going on right now this is very important um later on people would contact me who saw I had brass players who watched it and they would say hang on a minute he would have been there with with you know my teachers 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 teacher who wrote this famous method it would be like you you know talking to close Or something, right. you know, and 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 they contact me and say, I wonder if he knows them. So I'd email him. I said, Well, do you remember the tuba? He goes, Sure, I do. And he would tell you, Well, this guy was always well dressed, and this guy's tuba. He always went to this pub afterwards, and his tuba is there still, you know. And 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 he talked about it. And I emailed my little brass section, who, as I said, some of them are my age, and to them, I mean, this was like they're you know four generations ago of. Right. Um, you know, it's almost, you know, it's like, it's like you hearing about, well, I'm exaggerating, you know, Mulfeldt or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they were so blown away. And uh, he of course is on the, um, he not only is the Guinness book of world records, longest clarinet career, blah, 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 blah. He also um, was made an honorary member of the New York Philharmonic, okay? So what does that mean? Who else is in there? I didn't even know what the heck it meant, okay? Well, you can look it up. It's, uh, he's on every single program. I think there's three or four presidents, okay? Dvorak, you know, yeah. you know, Andrew Carnegie, you know? Oh, and this clarinet player. I'm thinking, how badass is that for, yeah. for the clarinet community? So he couldn't find the list, but he'd email it to me. So that's when we made the Facebook page. I said, come on, let's keep track of these guests. You know, so, so now we posted this kind of stuff in retrospect. And when I left, I still remember at the end of the interview, it, 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 as much as I felt this in a certain way with everybody else, I, I said, look, th- this has really been an honor, you know? And, and I thought, I mean, this is really, this was something very, very special. So, I, you know, and and there were so many special interviews and, and um, you know, they were all wonderful. Uh, but, but this was, I think, in its own category. And I don't think any of my guests would, 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 would. Be insulted in hearing this. No,
1: I don't think so. Actually, it's a funny story. I was, you know, I, I was bored one day during the pandemic, and imagine that. And uh, yeah. I, I was browsing through some old Indianapolis Symphony programs because they have them online. Yes, he was the principal of the yes. Indianapolis Symphony for like a year when he was like eighteen or whatever. Like no, right no, no, no. After- 15. Oh, when he was 15, sure, 15. Okay, I <laughs> mean, know, it was, it was from like 1940 was, something, or, or well, yeah, it was. And, and
0: then he went to Buffalo, right? Okay. I, mean, the, I mean, by the time he got in as a teenager in New York Philharmonic, he, you know, he was an old pro. I mean, he was an old, right. old, old, old guy, you know, and um, and it was really cool, also. Like, I think we all think of him as this principal clarinet, but. He was the E-flat player for twelve years. Think about that, and and there are recordings you listen, and and it's him. I think it's music of the theater, Copland. It's him. Uh, you know, he was premiering all these things. He's an E-flat player. You know, um, and and that was another cool thing about the show that I think some people could might find incredibly boring, but I found it great to document it I mean you Michelle zukowski I've always known her as the American player who played on the German system well I didn't know she played also on the Austrian system and that there's a recording out there you can see it on YouTube with her and Zubin Mehta on it doing Weber concertino I didn't know that she played mother goose Suite and there's a recording of that on the French system you know it was eight or ten years before she switched so we documented all that John yay Ye- was very special because he sat in every single chair. Think about that, okay? And recorded in every chair, okay? So I said, uh, when we're talking about preparation, I said, listen, man, you you, you know, show us all the CDs you're playing, Principal, all the CDs you're playing, E5, all the CDs you're playing, Second, all the CDs you're playing, Bass, you know? And he didn't give us all, but he gave us highlights, of course. And so you could actually, it it depends how deep you want to geek out um, but you can actually go back and listen to Drucker play the E flat, or, or listen to John Ye play second clarinet, or listen to Michelle Zukowski on a French clarinet. It depends how much you want to geek out on it, or just sit there and just say, you know, what's your advice for young people? And say, yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a accountant, but but this is sounds pretty good, you know, that kind <laughs> of. It depends what level you wanted to dig on these interviews.
1: Yeah, uh, I I like I really like that John yeah interview too because he i love how he, he had all the cds he like had them with him and he was like showing them you know and here was the Shostakovich seven with bernstein which is like one of my favorite recordings of all time um but that was great he had like all the original cds and stuff just like ready to go really very very very, very cool uh so you obviously you've mentioned this but you've you did this project with lorenzo uh fabulous bass clarinetist the hong kong phil you know i've you know obviously one of the great great bass clarinets of his generation can you describe sort of how your friendship extends beyond the stage because i think a lot of people don't have that kind of working friendship relationship some people do uh but you know you 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 two clearly are very good friends in addition to being colleagues in the orchestra and um yeah i'm just curious like what that's that's like
0: sure um no i'm, I'm very happy to talk about it and, and and it needs to be said because i've i've been I'm also friendly with other members in the ORS and in and, and, and the section, I should say. Um, and Lorenzo has been here the least amount of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I guess he's pushing six years. OK. Has it really um, been that long? And, uh, I it yeah, has been. I, I think October will be six years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess he got there like right when I got this job. So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, and he's had, you know, I think it was in the London Symphony for eight years. He's doing the bass clarinet parts in the Harry Potter movies and whatnot. And and he also was in, in the Madrid Opera and he, w- he had a job in Rome. So he's, you know, at 35, 36, he's really been around the block and knows what it's like to play different kinds of jobs and all that kind of stuff. But actually, um, I always thought of Andy's liquor talk as basically just a bonding thing between us because he would come over Always for dinner. You have to understand the timing was crazy sometimes. So Michelle Zukowski started at midnight our time. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean it, we, we did our best. We did our. It was very tough. He we, he wanted to get Europe in. We of course wanted to get Asia in, and we definitely wanted to get the states in, especially the East Coast. But you couldn't make everyone happy. I mean, we actually have a big following, and some of the players in Australia. We as as clarinetists, we've toured there many times and given classes. Together. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing in 2019. Actually, we gave a a recital and masterclass tour um, almost two years ago for 12 days in Australia together. You know, Um, when the orchestra was on tour in uh, that was 2019, when the orchestra went there in 2017, we gave classes together in Sydney. Um, You know, literally we we um, buffet Crampon Paris. This is during the pandemic was 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 was. presenting live recitals and I invited him to do a Mendelssohn concert piece on mine and then buffet Italy uh did one and and then we did the other one you know with him <laughs> and upcoming there, there's a group I I'm, I'm terribly um uh my memory is going but there's a group of actually a clarinet choir that's been um that's been doing background stuff and, and selecting soloists like andrew Ma- some of my guests andrew mariner did mozart alessandro carbonari and they get they're getting like a hundred thousand views or whatever so now we're doing one together at mendelssohn uh, constantly so we've been doing things together as colleagues and at the beginning the orchestra asked people to to make videos and he would come over and and do these videos and so forth. So he would just come over on a Saturday and then I wanted, for some reason it became terribly important to me to start uh, documenting some teaching things. So I say, okay, uh, just put on the camera and help me. And and I I just have a 30 second thing I want to do fine. So he would come over once a week, twice a week. Anyway, he lived about an hour away. He lives about an hour away um, when he was in town. And, um, and you know, so so I'm just giving you good examples of, of our relationship that way. But he's also pursuing conducting. I'm on Tuesday. He's going to be conducting something, and I'm going to do a little Italian full, you know, concerto um, a, a for him and 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 that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, ob- obviously um, that that's had a lot to do with. But I I want to also talk about his contributions to the show. Okay, yeah. I mean. In the Michelle Zuckowski interview that took place at midnight and she I'm going to give her a hard time because we're best friends now, um, you know, was complaining about having to get up at nine in the morning when we started <laughs> at midnight. OK, it was Lorenzo's birthday. Okay, and he he rented out a hotel room nearby, put his family in there. When they went to bed at nine or ten, he has three young kids. He then came over to do the show, went back at three in the morning. We had a few interview. I mean, you had to respect people like Drucker and Curliana when you are nineties and eighties. They said, "Look, we don't want to get started till eleven in the morning. What are you going to say?" So you know, you start right. at eleven. Um, once in the blue moon, in Yehuda's case, in. Um, in uh, Eddie Daniels' case, they really wanted to do it nighttime, their time. So it, it was comfortable for us. It was Sunday morning, but that's like the one day he always spends with the family. He gave that up. He was not only was he doing great posters um, and helping with uh, with the techie stuff, which wasn't always easy, um, you know, he would monitor things. So like I said, we would see what worked and didn't work. OK, when when someone was talking for a long time, no matter how interesting it was, the numbers would start dwindling. But as soon as I interjected, it could be anything like, um, excuse me, I need a drink of water. All of a sudden, the numbers they, people wa- love the interaction. So we were learning um, along the way and he was monitoring it. He always made sure there were shout outs. I mean, it wasn't just a quote. I, I, I hate to use words like this because everyone was so important and reaching people from all levels and all walks of life and all around the world it w- was so important. Um, but but would i say the caliber of people getting i mean you you're getting you know members of the Berlin Philharmonic and the London symphony and all coming on and saying hello and some are not clarinetists and some are especially I mean people like Drucker would you, you'd have these people in their 60s and 70s very well-known musicians they they just had to get on because they remember when he played like you started with their youth orchestra or whatever and and he was monitor. he'd always make sure let's give a shout out to these people let's let, let's yep. do that so I mean his contributions were great he has a completely different take on um what what's important to him and and people in his generation in europe and who who's important or who isn't and what they're bringing to the table and this kind of stuff he also did some interviews himself as a base first of all the 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 entire the memorial was his idea um j Laurie Bloom didn't have a send-off i mean the poor guy's been there how long you know he lucked out that his last concert happened to be a concerto, but at the end of the day, it was a couple of months or something, and it was, you know, bye-bye on Zoom, and that was it. And he actually felt sorry about it as a, as a kin folk. you know. He says, no, let's ask John if he's willing to have him come on, and— um and he did, you know, um, and then he conducted the interview But bit. Michael Lowenstern, Lorenzo has a thing for planes. I don't know what it, I can't explain it. We were in, in Perth, Australia, on our masterclass on um, in in the mountains, watching the sunset with kangaroos behind us. I, I have some students who live there showing us around and, um, and the plane comes. And I mean, he's got an app and he takes a picture that tells you where it's flying to and the kind, he's obsessed with planes. Well, Michael Lowenstern's a pilot. With a plane, you know. He, he, Lorenzo loves techie. Michael Lawrence is one of the guys who's really been pushing the envelope on techie um, bass clarinetists, of course. So he led that. Um, Paul Mayer's interview. There, there, someone wrote in. They said, you know, we were gonna, we became lawyers. We we did. We were professional clarinetists. Uh, now we're retired lawyers. Um, can you help me sell a clarinet? I would get conversations like this. You know, maybe you remember me from four, five. Lisa, because of your show, we kept the clarinet, but you know, be a little sensitive. Not every one of us is trying to be the next principal, the Berlin Phil, or the next Munich competition winner. Um, some of us are really happy playing in the community band. Is there clarinet? And we what's it like being a section player? You know, and we're sick and tired of hearing, okay, well, well I played the concerto with the concerto band when I when it, you know when I played Rock two with you know, whoever, Bernstein. You know, let's what's it like being a section player? And also, by the way, we've become your fan. We didn't know, and we're watching on YouTube, and he sat down. and and he would talk about that um so he he was actually part of the show
1: as well yeah yeah that's really cool and and i'm glad that you guys did that project together it seems like you both had different strengths and you you contributed by the way
0: i just want to show something yeah this poster this is my birthday gift from him (laughs) let's see
1: yeah this is incredible for those yeah. not watching and listening you're right. sorry you're There's missing 20,
0: out <laughs> 28 of this, right
1: yeah so oh. you,
0: you can see i mean he made a collage and and here it is now
1: so, yeah that's so cool you
0: know, I, I, yeah it's really meaningful yeah. um so yeah
1: i love it i hope he made one for himself too
0: cuz that's a good
1: question. Yeah, because he, 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 he has to immortalize that, too. It's 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 very it's so cool what you guys do together. And I think, you know, one I guess one other question I have is, do you guys have any plans to sort of continue this? Or you, is it just kind of like, you know, because I remember the announcement was just kind of like, oh, we're you know, this is the end of the series and stuff. But I, I sort of got the feeling that it wasn't. And so I want to uh-huh. know, like, you know, just knowing you and knowing, you know, you're, you're always very, I mean, we've, this is the first, I think this is the first time we've ever spoken, but, you know, I've known about you for a while and you're always sort of out there and, and I, not, not out there in terms of like a while, but out no, there no, in terms what? of like, both ways. yeah, <laughs> forefront. Um, and so I, I just wondered, do you have any plans to continue it? uh in the future or you know maybe take it in a different direction like what's what's what are the plans for the liquor stock?
0: yeah it, it was abrupt i mean there's so many reasons for it and we didn't get that much um into them i, I thought it, there was a lot of quote resistance from oh come on do it once a month do it you know um uh, but okay so so just just to ramble a little bit let's start with this um on the 30th coming up on Sunday, that's Benny Goodman's birthday. Again, slightly off the beaten track. So at 9.30 Eastern time, I've asked my Juilliard classmate, okay? He's the only student ever of Benny Goodman, okay? And he's going, it's Benny Goodman's birthday. And he, you know, his, his um, Benny Goodman's daughter is actually writing a book and, and she refers to him as as his the son he never had, and they were close. So I just thought, he knows all the background uh, stuff. What was he like as a teacher? What did he say? What does he have any anecdotes about um, working with Bartok on the con? I mean, I think this is this could be very interesting, you know? Um, So so that's that's upcoming. I don't. How did I come up with that? I mean, it, it, I just um, I was going through some old videos and I did a little thing of Benny's gig. It's not a great recording quality, but I thought, well, maybe I'll, uh, Betty Goodman's birthday is coming up. Maybe I'll post it uh, when that happens. And I thought, you know, his name's Julian Milkus. He talked. He told me this story, and it and it and it and it, and it just meshed. Um, the day before Benny Goodman died, I was a student at Juilliard, and I got into the, the elevator. And who gets on with me but Benny Goodman, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, the third, the third floor is where we practice, or the fourth floor is where we're or something like that. And I'm like, you've gotta shake this guy's hand, okay? But my hand was paralyzed, so it's barely lifting, you know, second floor, okay? Third floor, I finally <laughs> muster the courage, and he gets off, he gets off the elevator. And I said, well, you know what? He was here today, I'll have my chance, I'll have my chance. And that night he died. Okay, and I I posted this I, I posted this Benny's Gate, you know I don't know 10, eleven months ago let's say, um, and Julian says well let me tell you okay he had never performed the piece I, I, anyway Benny's good for the people that don't know Morton Gould wrote a duo for ch- for bass and clarinet kind of jazzy for Benny Goodman's seventieth um, birthday. OK, it is it, a very, very um, accessible piece. He was there to rehearse Betty's gig with, with Homer Mensch, who was the base uh, a bass professor at Juilliard. And and then they rehearsed and he died before the concert. And, and I thought, wow, this is kind of interesting. I mean, here I just posted it. He's telling me a story I didn't know. It coincides with the fact that I met him literally hours or oh, didn't meet him, but almost met him hours before he died. Um, let's hear more. You know, let's hear more. So so that's upcoming. We had two guests we had to cancel because of the pandemic. I would love to to, to get them. Um, they're both in Germany. They're both octogenarians. They, they, they struggle with techie. They need help uh, uh, that way. And uh, one was Georg Feitman, who doesn't have a computer or not one that works. He, he was going to go to his agent's house and do this. But then they were under lockdown. And the elderly, okay. you weren't allowed to have people. We just couldn't do it. Okay, fine. And another was Carl Leister, um, also in his 80s, um, who he doesn't have a... Well, you mentioned the video. He could have done it, but he doesn't have the video, okay? And and we want a video. So I thought maybe we can find some groupier student to do that. Yes, but not now. So it would be okay. wonderful if we, we can get those guys back. Um, and And I'm sure if there's any... Ideas, little ideas like this—the—the the, the, the Benny Goodman thing—we'll do it. We are very busy, of course. In, in other ways, but yeah. some things we're doing is—I've um, uh, just decided because we learned so much about the marketing and the platforms and everything—to um, start posting the interviews at the annual anniversary. So we're already up to number three this week. Is is Nicola Balderru, and so we're posting hmm. them again because we we found the following at the beginning was kind of guest oriented and people didn't know what it was. But when you got to sort of 10, 11, 12 guests, the show itself got a following. It started getting to the point that like, well, you know what? I, I don't, I don't even know who this guest is, but we trust the show and they did it. And, and so over the summer, we started getting tremendous viewership, no matter who the guest was. And um, so I want to especially pay tribute to this first sort of dozen people. We didn't, advert we didn't post on clarinet facebook pages we didn't have it on youtube originally we changed platforms several times um so so you know we think these are really really good interviews and um and they deserve to have a chance so we're posting those now um we have put together little clips like um we had three jazz players. We had Eddie Daniels, not Cohen, and uh, Paquita de Rivera, and they played a little recital for us. You know, so we put, made a compilation. It's nine minutes or something. So that's out there already. And I have a fantasy of um, of a highlight reel. We've got fifty to sixty hours of data. I mean, ju- there were it was very individual, but there were two or three questions that were consistently asked. Um, advice for young people and stuff. I guess we could probably put together a highlight reel of three hours. Of just these really great people and what what kind of advice they would give. And that would be, I think, very contributory um, for those that aren't going to watch 60 hours of, you know, as John Yeh's was over three hours, The Trumpeter's <laughs> was three hours and 10 minutes. It's, you know, it depends how geeky you want to get. But I think these little valuable highlight drills might be um really good so that, that's where we are right now also i mean it's like i some of you might know joseph Horowitz's sonatina for clarinet in, in some places it's very standard it's been recorded over 40 times in other places people don't know much about it but it's certainly a success story and i've um i studied it with him and recorded it um and i asked him about it and and how do you know that that you just don't know i i mean that hit the number but the other one could have hit the number. You don't know which one's gonna hit the number. It just became very popular. Same thing with Andy's liquor Talk. We were doing this, but we had other things in mind. Um, we made videos showing a lot of the beautiful spots in Hong Kong, um, musical videos, because you know Hong Kong really has been getting poor international media, we thought, for the last few years. And we really feel very grateful to all that it's given to us and we think it's a great place. So we wanted to do that. Um, I, as I said, for some reason, all—I guess it was a year ago—I um, I was doing an online uh, uh, festival with with Charlie Knight and his wife in in Japan. Um, I, I, we we usually go to Japan. This time it was online, and um, and we always give like a lecture master. They always give lectures, and I cop out. I just let people play for me, and that thought so, well, wouldn't it be great if I. Surely, I've learned something after forty years of, of, you know, making mistakes and screwing up and everything else. And and maybe I, I, I all of a sudden, very important to me to share these little things. So I started. Um, you know, doing those kinds of things as well. So, um, so that's where we are with the program. But of course, I mean, um, the orchestra's in full swing. I, I, I'm, I'm doing this Strauss Dueto concertino in a, in a month and I'm doing this Shaw concerto next month, next week. And a, a, a couple of other videos that I told you about and then the chamber music concert. And, and that's all in the next few weeks and teaching and this and that. So, so we do the best we can. We do the best we can.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're, like, you're busy and I've, I've, I have enjoyed, you know, every, the thing is you, you, you developed, uh, credibility through your program, uh, as you talked about, you know, the first, whatever guest didn't get the, but, but as you kept doing it and doing it, um, you know, you certainly developed the following. So now whenever something comes out of it, people know it's high quality and and they know it's good. So it's, so, you know, whenever you get around to doing it, uh, I know I'll look forward to whatever, whatever comes out. Um, Andy, it's been just great to have you, uh, before you leave, do you have any last words or, or shout outs, uh, uh advice, words of wisdom? I don't know. Is it maybe a birthday? It's uh, someone's birthday. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever okay. you want. The floor um, is yours.
0: No, 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 I, I, I appreciate it. Um, and another interview, I, I, I did mention, um, some of the challenges of the show. They there, there were, there you always I, I've talked to other I don't know if you've had this experience. I've talked to other people um, who have ha- done this sort of thing. You know, when you're we're appealing to thousands of people, there's always going to be uh, there's going to be some way out messages. It's going to be some way out, you know, criticisms of suggestions, you know, and, and they put you in all kinds of positions like um, I've talked to such and such on your behalf and he's willing to do your show. No need to thank me. Um, but now if you don't invite him, he'll know that you, you know, you you know, this kind of stuff or you don't have enough of this kind of person. You don't have enough of this. There's lots of critics out there. Um, Sabina Meyer. OK, we finally got after 40 years an, an interview. Um. And her husband, it was under the condition, because she's not comfortable with her English that her husband gets involved a lot and, because his English is better. They he under, I mean, they're they're like one person practically. You know, they've been together for how long and everything. Well, you know, I mean, you build this as a Sabina Meyer interview, and it was right, it, it was watered down. A lot of critics. But we did this on no thought at all. And this is the time right now um, where. Anyone can do this, okay, or any other kind of project. The, the Internet is there. It's the great equalizer, okay? Don't be a critic. Be a contributor. those That's my motto now, okay? When people were going on and on about the pandemic, this is not at all um, an insensitivity to those who lost their lives or those who lost loved ones or lo- lost their – economic situation and all the other problems um that came but you know you just i've had enough of this this, and i'm like watch anthony mcgill's interview that's that was all i ever said to them and and charlie 92 he, he would say be proactive that's what we need that's what we can give Okay, And and that's one of the reasons I did it. And Anthony McGill, I mean, he was depressed. He's a hypochondriac. He he couldn't you know, there was more racial violence going on. I mean, things couldn't be worse. And he turned this situation to a situation where he was reaching many, many times the amount of people he did in the in the height of music or, or, or clarinet or, or New York, film, whatever you want to call it, he he with an iPhone, you know what I'm saying? And this I really encourage all of you be contributors. Don't be critics. The, 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 just if you want to do it, do it. You know, so if if Sam, you know, he appreciated the kind of guests I got. I appreciate the kind of guests he he does. There's different niches and 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 fill those niches. You can do it. You can do it. And that's, that's really what I have to say.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, Andy. And, and I love that. Be a, be a contributor, not a critic. And you know, if you're sitting there, if you have time to criticize people, you are probably better off just doing something about it anyways. (laughs) So, um, well, terrific. It was so great to have you so great to finally meet you and speak with you. Uh, next time you're in the States and close to my neck of the woods, please give me a shout. I would love to get together for a meal hopefully unmasked at that point in time uh, but uh yeah it's great to see you um have a good rest of your day i'm gonna go to sleep soon um uh, but uh,
0: yeah, right. i'm sorry about that well that's what i get hey do um, just for kicks yeah. should i um is it okay to take a photo and you know I'll put it on my yeah. own uh
1: absolutely thing,
0: might get it, yeah. you Yeah, know, because it's about the show so we'll but perfect the thing is, I was such a good boy. I turned off my phone so it didn't, um, you know. And of course, you're gonna ask me to do a screenshot instead, and I'm gonna tell you it's gonna confuse <laughs> me. So, <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah.
0: So, if you don't mind, we're, we'll 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 document yeah. this moment. Perfect. So, hi, Sam.
1: There you go. Perfect. Awesome. Well, okay. If you haven't had a chance already, please be sure to stop by our website at CandidClarinetistPodcast.com where you can find more information about myself, the podcast, and links to all of our content platforms. On behalf of myself and Andy, once again, I am Sam Rothstein, and thanks for tuning into the Candid Clarinetist Podcast.